Hello, everybody. Just a quick disclaimer before this week's episode. As you know, we've been recording our episodes remotely lately due to the COVID-19 pandemic, so please excuse the slight dip in audio quality. I also wanted to give a shout out to all the nurses, doctors, and medical professionals working every day to save lives. Y'all are the real heroes, and we love you. And now, here's the show. From the beautiful city of West Hollywood, we bring you Film Forward, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival. Hey, hey, welcome to Film Forward, everybody. The Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival is streaming now at LADFF.com. And today we are very excited to be joined by the writer and director of the short film, Heather Would Never, Miss Emily Claxton. Emily, thank you for joining us today. Hi, Nick. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) This is exciting. Yes, very exciting. Very exciting to see your film. We work together, but in like, you know, commercial and branded world. So it's very different. (laughs) Very different. It was a real treat to see your film and uh, see how amazing it was like weird and dark yeah i was like all right that's the emily i like (laughs) so tell the audience about your film heather would never heather would never is a short psychological thriller about a young woman named danny who invents this sort of perfect woman persona named Mm -hmm. heather to tease her boyfriend ben and things get out of hand when heather starts to act out and ultimately try to Take over. It is a very fun, creepy, dark movie. It's a really creative concept, what you've done and the way that you, you know, told it. Where did you come up with the concept for this film? Thank you. So the idea, the idea came directly from my own life, which means uh, sharing it with people and you know, talking about it feels a little like uncomfortably intimate at times. But when I was young, I think I I kind of internalized this idea from movies and media and stuff that, you know, the more beautiful a woman is, the more valuable she is. And mm-hmm. this sort of led to like just struggles with self-image throughout my life with like eating disorders and created this like weird warped image of myself over the years. And as I grew up and I gained more perspective and confidence, that idea kind of shifted into this pressure to be a version of myself that is the happiest and the coolest and the most carefree and fun and like takes care of myself, doesn't miss a workout, reads all the time, you know, kind of like that cool girl, the concept that they discuss in Gone Girl so so beautifully and they show that like sort of insane pressure to be, to be both, to be able to, you know, like drink like the boys but never make a fool of yourself and like you know oh that whole idea of like oh I like a girl who can eat and like you see that in movies where like oh you're so cool you like order a cheeseburger and eat the whole thing but you're still like really thin and like all that stuff it kind of creates this kind of impossible set of goals to achieve and this like idea that you have to be all these things at once Mm -hmm. and so when I wrote this movie I was under a lot of pressure trying to like transition into becoming a full-time director. And I had a lot of people like men usually sort of (laughs) underestimating and condescending to me. My parents were going through divorce and I was in this, like I was also in a brand new relationship and in all these facets of my life, I felt like I had to hold it together. I wanted to be 
a perfect daughter, a badass, unflappable director, and this like fun, easygoing girlfriend. But the more like exhausted or sad or stressed out I became, I could feel myself beginning to crack. And I started to fear more than anything that I would like cry at work or yell at my siblings or snap at my boyfriend and kind of like let what I saw as the ugly side that people would hate like show through. So I came to realize that as women, we're often, we're not just comparing ourselves to other people who we see as like better than we are. We're comparing ourselves to this ideal version of us that we create in our head. Right. And the more power we give to this other version of ourselves, the more destructive it becomes. So I thought, what if this ideal version of a character came to life and tried to actively take power? And that became Heather. The way that you depict this quote unquote ideal woman and Heather, and you kind of flip the male gaze on its head. It's really fun what you did because you turn it into some, you know, Heather becomes something like horrifying and really uncomfortable and something that is highly you know it's like very unpleasant to almost be in the room with her as (laughs) you mentioned you know it's kind of like what the media shows as look at this isn't this what you should strive to be or isn't this what we all love as dudes you know (laughs) isn't Um, this what you wanted yes that idea (laughs) talk to us uh, about you know your work with kimberly who plays Danny and Heather, and how you two develop this character together and also the the alternate persona because the character is beautifully directed and she she's absolutely great in the role. Well, I love Kimberly. I think she is an incredible actress and I've worked with her on many short films before. So we've I've known her since high school. We have this relationship where we can really, I think we really trust each other and we figured out the character together. And I remember she especially, but we both wanted Heather to be kind of more multidimensional. She's a shadow of Danny, but she also wants to live. Like she'll do what it takes to survive. And we like the idea that if if Heather was allowed to, she could live a full life like in Danny's body. She's not just like a pornographic image come to life to like right. fulfill Ben's fantasies. Even though she's feeding off that idea, she's got actual motivations of her own. We also worked a lot on trying to strike that perfect balance of beautiful and scary like Mm -hmm. she becomes terrifying but she's not terrifying at first like she and she isn't just seducing ben she's seducing danny herself she's trying to win her over so we made her kind of warm with this like kind of musical voice and in the sequence where we go into danny's subconscious she even has this kind of like warm glow. And the composer, Sarah Barone, who's truly amazing, wrote this piece of music for that sequence, which I was initially like, oh, the score here should just be creepy and dark. And she came back with this like melodic, like calm, beautiful melody that like Mm -hmm. slowly gets darker and more intense as Danny fights back. So Heather's characterization really evolved through the process of shooting. And I'm so glad I had such badass women like Sarah and Kimberly to work with. Yeah, they knocked it out of the park. I mean, uh, like you said, yeah, when it starts, it's like, oh, this is fun. And yeah, she, she you know, she looks gorgeous. And then it just, the tension builds. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll let the audience see where it goes from there. Yeah. You do a lot of really cool stuff with reflection in this. And, you know, when we dive into one of your gimme threes, I, I kind of saw a connection there. <laughs> 
but um, but talk to us about kind of the inception of that. You know, obviously it comes from your theme that you've talked about, but when did that specific idea pop in your head and be like, this would be a great visual tool to show kind of what you're going through? Well, I mean, in a way, like Heather herself is a corrupted reflection. She's an image of Danny. It does come from that like sort of personal experience of like, looking at your looking at yourself in the mirror and like oh gosh i have like wrinkles here or like oh like i have like cellulite here like all this like sort of hyper i think a lot of you know my female friends can probably relate but this like sort of like laser-eyed critique of uh-huh. your own like face and your own body that nobody else nobody else sees all these flaws <laughs> when they look at you, you, but you see them and you feel them and they gain power because you've looked at them in the mirror so much. So Heather is an image of Danny that's sort of diverted and come to life on her own. She comes from the mirror. So you see mirrors throughout the film. The very first shot is, is obviously a reflection of Danny. And they start as just those reflections of Danny that she's criticizing and changing. She changes her appearance, looking in the mirror. And then eventually, when Heather is at her most powerful, she doesn't even need a mirror to come out. She's just there, living right. in the room, like in Danny's body. And she she's also captured in a photograph. And that's like another step in her evolution, kind of touching on this idea of I'm presenting this image of myself to the world. This is the good image of me. I want like this to be the moment that's captured and preserved. So that's, I guess, another step in her evolution. That's like Ben actually helping to give her some life. Yeah. It it feeds the beast in a way, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. It felt very honest because, you know, you see so many young women doing that on like Instagram mm-hmm. and whatnot, just taking the, you know, taking picture after picture after picture after picture to get like the perfect image that yeah. they will put up. I'm just yeah. speaking from like my little cousin's perspective, you know, it's like they feel bad, you know, when they don't always look like that, which mm-hmm. is, you know, completely unrealistic and, and, and right. unfair. It's all like filtered and like at yeah. a specific angle and all that. So yeah, that's where that came from. I wanted to talk about the the end, but I guess that's a little spoilery. Yeah, we don't want we don't want to spoil it because everybody's going to go watch this <laughs> film here. Before yes. we take our break, the script is very honest. I think it's a really honest examination of our society. I think both men and women can take a lot from watching this film. What did you take away from this project? You know, having said what you were going through in the writing process of this, And with the inception of this film, what did you take away from this project when it was all said and done? Well, I've realized over the years that the movies I make that resonate the most with people and that I enjoy the most are the most personal. And they come from me trying to sort of exercise some sort of like a demon in my life. Yeah. So this was very much that. The process of making this movie felt like a weird exorcism and allowed me to work through my, you know, self-image issues and realize that, yeah, everyone has this kind of version of themselves that makes them feel like they're not as attractive or smart or funny or whatever as they should be. But you have to learn to step away from that and say, hey, sometimes I get emotional, like at inappropriate times or like, hey, sometimes I feel super lazy and I don't work out for weeks. I said something stupid at a party, whatever. I'm not perfect. I'm never going to be perfect, but I'm me and that's enough. And you're amazing, Emily. (laughs) Thank you. Tell the audience where they can find you, where they can follow you. Uh, I'm on Instagram at 
emily.claxton, that's E-M-E-L-I-E-C-L-A-X-T-O-N, and at my website, which is emilyclaxton.com. Awesome. And you can watch her film, Heather Would Never, at the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival. It is screening now at ladff.com. Yay. And it'll be available until August 30th. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, Emily's going to help us out with our favorite segment, Gimme Three. The Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival will be available to a worldwide audience this year. Due to the global pandemic, our annual in-person event is postponed, but you can still view our incredible program online. From August 4th through August 30th, visit LADFF.com to rent our curated film blocks, or you can buy a VIP pass, which gives you access to our entire program for the month. We have over 50 films from 17 different countries, comedy, thriller, drama, musicals, docs, we've got something for everybody. So check out the 7th Annual Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival starting August 4th exclusively at LADFF.com. All right, we are back on Film Forward, everybody. We are joined by my friend Emily Claxton, and she is about to give us three film recommendations that have inspired her and inspired her work. Emily, let us get your first one. All right. Number one, When Harry Met Sally. I think this movie is absolutely amazing. It brings me so much joy. Every single time I watch it, I am just like so happy. I love the dialogue. I love the characters. It's such an honest movie. And I really love that. I love that it it's such a personal story and it came from Rob Reiner's awkward dating experiences and how the script was the script was built from the real conversations between Rob Reiner and Nora Ephron as they were developing the story and the collaboration between all these talented people, those two and Meg Ryan and Billy Crystal just shines in this movie and it makes it feel so real and alive. I think it's like the best romantic comedy ever made. It feels like real life. It's It doesn't have any like external conflict. It, all that conflict comes from within the characters themselves. And that makes it really relatable and real. Just like two flawed weirdos who over a long period of time come to care deeply about each other. I love the fashion. Like, yeah. <laughs> makes me so happy. Everything. Meg Ryan's shorts in like the first scene. Yeah. And she, like, there's a moment at the batting cage, Jess is wearing like shorts over sweatpants. And like, <laughs> Billy Crystal is wearing suspenders at one point and right. he looks great. Like, he's got that white sweater. Like, you, did you see Knives Out? Everyone loves that. Yeah. Chris Evans wears a great sweater. And like, I think Billy Crystal pioneered the, the great movie sweater in he this did. film. It's beautiful. There's some great cinematic jokes of just the way Billy Crystal will walk through, like the shot at the airport. He like walks through the shot and then he pops back in. And the, <laughs> like, it's just so funny. And the, yeah. the pan at the New Year's Eve party when Meg Ryan is like fake laughing, talking to this guy and she's like fake laughing at all his jokes. And then it just pans across to Carrie Fisher and they're just like, I don't know how you drag me into this. Like You'll never get a cab. And then it like pans back and she's like, keeps laughing. Yeah, it's a New York movie. I love New York. I think Carrie Fisher is hilarious. I think she's got so many like great lines and her character is so, so funny and so 
so real. I just, yeah, like someone is staring at you in personal growth and like, I want you yeah. to know I'll never <laughs> want that wagon wheel coffee table. Right. <laughs> Even the, the moment when they're like, oh, oh, don't worry. Like, I won't, I won't date your friend. Like, I'll give, I'll give him time. And they're just like, jump into a cab immediately. <laughs> I tell the first cab they see. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite. Yeah, I just deeply love this movie, as you can probably tell by me just ranting about it for, <laughs> I don't know how many minutes now. Well, Emily, I don't think it's the greatest romantic <gasps> comedy ever made. No. I, I know it's the greatest romantic okay, comedy Okay, thank ever God. Made. <laughs> I was like... You really threw me there. I was like, how? No, this is, uh, it's one of my all-time favorites. I read the script probably like four or five times a year just because, oh, wow. <laughs> just to say one day, maybe I can be half as good as this. You yeah. hit it all, but it's just, it, it brings me a lot of joy. I've watched it, I don't know how many times, and every time I watch it, I still laugh. I just, Mm -hmm. Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan are intoxicating. They're amazing. Her hair and her just, she's so funny. Yeah. So funny. (laughs) It's a flawless film, except for one, two things that are, because it's so perfect, there are two things that have always (laughs) been off to me. One, Mm -hmm. Billy Crystal's hairpiece in the first scene. (laughs) (laughs) That is definitely slightly off just, I, <laughs> I get that put him in a hat like yeah. i, I rob reiner you have made some of my favorite movies of all time i will never one mistake that. <laughs> oh my god when he spits out the grape like the the grape yeah, seed right oh on, my right gosh on the so funny anyway that that has distracted me enough from his from his hair piece yeah <laughs> That is, you're correct. But no, it's a, it's a great, it's a great. Oh, and my second one is that they don't do the wave at a football game. Oh, the baseball thing. See, as a sports, as a total, doesn't know anything about sports person, I love that moment. Like, I think that scene is so great, and that's just because I'm but, completely ignorant of that, that scene world. Is so great. That scene is totally <laughs> amazing. Like, it is. <laughs> The best way to like tell a breakup story oh ever written. It is yeah. so, so harsh and so depressing and hilarious at the same uh, time. Yes, I love it. When Harry Met Sally, if you haven't seen it, do fuck it now. You. I'm just kidding. <laughs> see it now. Immediately. <laughs> yeah, excellent first choice. Okay, let's let's hear whatever inferior movie is next. Yeah, I mean after <laughs> after that, it's like ugh, where do you go from here? Well, my second pick is Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, um, cool. which I love and I've always loved. I saw it in high school and it truly just blew my mind. Like it it changed my idea of what a movie could be it was my first Edgar Wright movie and I guess it'll always be my favorite of his just because I saw it first but I think it's so funny it always just makes me laugh and brings me so much joy the vegan police like relicense <laughs> whole like uh, it's just crazy it'll it'll just go it goes wherever it needs to go to be entertaining and beautiful and it's like a it's like a piece of music the way like everything fits together so beautifully i love the little easter eggs all over all the production design like catching them the more times i watch it it's a comic book movie an action movie a romantic comedy and it's like packed full of music and Mm -hmm. somehow all these all these different things work together i mean i think at its core it's got these you know 
very real characters who they may speak in this like wild, elevated language that, you know, doesn't necessarily reflect the way the way human beings actually talk. The elevated style of the movie doesn't really feel out of place because it reflects how how big the emotions are in young relationships and how at a young age you like think of yourself as this hero. And I mean, I'm a sucker for a story in which the main character realizes that they are kind of an asshole. And right. Scott is our, he's our hero. He's our perspective. He thinks of himself as a hero, but throughout the movie, everyone, including him, learns that he is actually kind of selfish and cowardly. Mm-hmm. And he learns that maybe he's not the hero that he thought he was and he needs to do better. And so I love the message and I love the film. Yeah, it's great. I saw it in theaters and really enjoyed it when it came out and then hadn't seen it again until this week. I rewatched it and I never forgot that opening, you know, the opening oh, when man. like their, their band starts playing. Yes, how, and how the cool room expands. Yeah, and I was the like, The opening oh. credit sequence. I love that. It's never so forgot good. it. Like, I, because I remember sitting in the theater and I was like, I am fucking in. <laughs> Yep. But I was it holds up. And looking back now, like when I saw that movie, whenever it came out, what was it, 10 years ago or something? Mm-hmm. I was like, well, these, all these guys are great. Everybody in the movie is great. And then now looking back, it's like all these guys in this movie and, and women are superstars. You know, yeah, it's now like, they're like, ama- that's like the first time I saw Brie Larson. And now she's like this mega star. And it's just stacked yeah, like it's Aubrey true. Plaza, Brie oh, Larson. She's so like, funny. Everybody. <laughs> Anna Kendrick, you know, like it's just... And this was like one of her first like big, big roles. Yeah, everyone has exploded. And like, it looks like it was just genuinely really fun to make. Like, I think they loved making it together. Like from what I've seen from like behind the scenes footage, it was really, it was a really difficult movie to make. Like there was so much you know, physical training and musical training that all the actors had to go through together. And it kind of just looks like, it looks like a riot. Like it looks like an awesome kind of summer camp where everybody is nice and they all just, Edgar Wright is in there like doing the workouts with the actors. And like, Uh I, I just, I don't know, maybe, I mean, I know it probably wasn't perfect and they got stressed out and had issues. I know it was a tough movie to make, but I like to think that it was, fun to make and i like that every time i watch an edgar wright movie i sit down and i'm like all right i'm gonna study this because i've seen it before (laughs) i'm just gonna i'm gonna sit and i'm gonna study and learn and then you know 10 minutes into the movie i'm like i'm drinking smoking weed i'm like fuck yes (laughs) roller coaster ride yeah well cool scott pilgrim versus the world excellent choice Thanks for putting it back on my radar because it was a great rewatch. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, your third and final. Okay, well, this one, I mean, Black Swan, because I love this movie. And also it's out of my favorite movies. It's probably the most Heather-ish. Like I I rewatched it recently and I was like, oh no, I, I just like ripped off this movie like so much. <laughs> like the the mirror stuff and everything. I was like, Oh no, like what have I done? But you know, I mean, uh, <laughs> that's okay. I would call um, it ripping off. I would call yeah, it inspired, inspired by. by. Yes. That's, that's the way, that's the way to describe that. It's one of my favorite horror movies. I consider it to be like a true horror movie. Like it's, uh-huh. and it's coming of age horror, which I really weirdly gravitate to this sort of genre. It just, 
it's so scary, like, and so beautiful at the same time. Yeah. And so I actually read the script before I saw the movie. And I, of course, like reading it, I like directed it in my head while I was reading it, as you do. And Mm -hmm. I got to the movie and I was just kind of like, I had to like take a step back because it was so different from, I was like, oh yeah, the Lincoln Center and the ballet, all these like beautiful wide shots of this like place. And then you get, you watch the film and it's all these like, close-ups like handheld like that's obviously the right way to shoot this movie because it puts you in nina's world so viscerally and you were just following her. the movie has this sense of claustrophobia where like you you live in that world that like that behind the scenes ballet world of like she goes and she trains and she trains on her own and she goes home to her mom and she's kind of trapped in that little that in her bedroom, which is all like preserved to be like a child's bedroom. It's, and the only time she goes out like, and, you know, lives it up, it's this big deal and, you know, causes problems for her. Right. Yeah. I, I love it's, I think it's some like moments in this movie genuinely scare me like so much mm-hmm. <laughs> when, when Winona Ryder jams the nail file into her for, into her face yeah and the the she's like picking at her fingernails oh yeah i never forgot that and i was like i like read it in the script and i was terrified and then i like have to watch it like from between my fingers because it freaks me out so much but Uh, the whole movie creates this this it sustains this sense of dread this like tension throughout the whole thing and i love the the way it juxtaposes this like these two sides of ballet that it's this you're creating something beautiful but in doing so there's this sort of like ugly side of the like the you know the broken toenail and she's like resoling her shoes with like the scissors and like that whole process and there's like a moment where it cuts from her dancing to like the toilet seat slamming back so she can vomit it balances those two things so well yeah it's very visceral Yes. Aronofsky does. He has a lot of respect for the subject matters that he dives into, Mm -hmm. like with this and and the wrestler, where you know other directors may have just said, "Eh, "It's a ballet movie. We're gonna have some fun." He it it really feels this is a it's in that world mm -hmm. so so well, and I mean, yeah, and the score is completely built off of the Swan Lake score. Yeah, and like you know, I. I just love it. I mean, I, I've always, I've always loved like stories from the ballet. Cause I think they're so, there are a lot of, there are a lot of ballet stories that are so like, they're so weird and surreal and strange. And I think this is a, an awesome way to take one of those stories and transform it into, into something very, you know, modern and very heartfelt. And absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Black Swan. An excellent third choice. An excellent three, Emily. Thank you. Yes. Excellent three. It was very fun to watch these all again. Heather would never, and Black Swan would make a great double feature. Oh my gosh. Well, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I, I suppose they would. <laughs> Emily, it was great chatting with you. Thank you so much. It was great chatting with you outside of work and like Yeah, chatting. I know. Talking, was- about, talking about movie stuff. Yeah. 
this has been very cool. Congrats again on your film. You can Thank see you. you can see her film Heather Would Never at the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival. It is screening now until August 30th as a part of the Angels and Demons block. Thank you all for listening to Film Forward, and we will catch you next time. Our recording engineer and mixer is Anselm Kennedy. The podcast is produced by Anselm, Sonia Maru, and yours truly. Thanks for joining us on Film Forward, and you'll hear us next time.